0: All right, I'm about to do the intro, so shut up.
1: <laughs>
0: Welcome to Baby Lee Roth, the podcast about playlists. And now, here are Callie,
2: Erica, and Bridget.
0: Welcome to Baby Lee Roth, your fave mixtape podcast. Each episode, we pick a theme and make a playlist of songs that fit that particular topic. I'm Kelly. I'm Erica. I'm Bridget. Locations, they're where it's at. Today, we are doing <laughs> songs that are about real locations, whether it be a city, state, or a building. Somewhere you can go in real life, unlike Kokomo by the Beach Boys. Let's go on a very erratic road trip, boys. <laughs> First stop, Africa. (laughs) (laughs) The continent, Africa. The continent
1: of Africa. Alright, well, someone was gonna have to do Africa by Toto, and I mean, by someone, I mean me. So let's do it up top. Uh, Africa is, if I had to guess, Toto's most well-known song, at least among our generation. Um, It is not my personal favorite Toto song, that goes to either Georgie Porgy or Rosanna, but it's still a banger, and we would be remiss not to talk about it at least once, especially since the members of Toto are absolutely integral to the Southern California music scene in the late 70s and 80s. Toto was a band comprised of a group of session musicians who played a lot on other picks I've talked about in past episodes like Boz Bozgag's Lowdown, Randy Newman's I Love LA, and I think the Steely Dan song from the Cryptids episode too. <laughs> um, the members of Toto really did shape the sound of everything that came out of LA from about 76 to 84, so much so that an entire genre of music was invented around it, encompassing it. If you've ever heard the term yacht rock, that's what it's referring to. It's referring to this specific era and this specific sound and these specific session musicians. It is not specifically songs about being on yachts or sailing or Brandy You're a Fine Girl and I will die on this hill. Um, let's keep talking about Toto. So... <laughs> Toto is like the deep nerd music stuff that I really love. It really speaks to me. When I was a senior in high school, I had my driver's license and my dad's old 1994 Nissan Sentra that my friends nicknamed the Dentra. And there wasn't (laughs) a lot to do. So my friends and I would often just like drive around in the suburbs or get lost in the cornfields and try to find our way back to town. Or we would go and wreak havoc on whatever stores were still open at 11 p.m. And, you know, just like trying to find the things to do to entertain yourselves on your budget of, I don't know, $5 an hour that you make it working at Boston Market. <laughs> so we would often end up at Meyer, which is the Midwest equivalent to uh, Walmart before we had Walmart there. And one night I was rifling through the 99 cent music bin and I found Toto 4 for 99 cents on compact disc and Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction on cassette tape. And I can honestly say it is the best dollar and 98 cent purchase that I have ever made in my entire life.
2: Appetite for Destruction was one of my first CDs, maybe my very first CD I ever purchased with my own money.
0: I have a Meyer story. Since we're talking about locations, I guess, we talk, <laughs> I guess, we're, I guess talking we're talking about, about locations. I guess we're talking talk about, about the real location of Meyer instead of the continent the of real, Africa.
1: <laughs> but the real Midwestern in me wants to say Myers, <laughs> like the possessive, because that's how the
0: you say it. The reason it's called it, that it's is because it was Meyer. it was Fred Myers, something something, Thrifty Acres, I think. It was started in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's where the headquarters still is.
2: I've never been to
1: Myers or Africa. You don't need to. One time I bought a goldfish there, and I named it Bruce. He died wow. like two Cute. years later. Oh,
0: <laughs> One time my friends and I, because that's that's literally what you do when you're in the Midwest, is you go to Meijer, and uh, yeah. we went there, and we were riding the bikes, you know, the bikes that they have on sale at Meijer. Um, we took them yep. down, and we're riding them around the store, and we got kicked out. You
1: could ride a bike. You could buy a car battery. You could buy Toto 4 for 94 Eight, you could buy a machete. Yes, you could buy a machete. You could buy a goldfish. You could buy women's lingerie, and you could, you buy, could a buy a mug. live lobster. But the, t- not the lobsters were not part of the <laughs> fish selection. They were in the food
0: section, so that was very sad. Um. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I mean, I think, uh, I think the fish being in the fish section is also sad. I, I would rather, <laughs> I would rather be bought to be eaten than be bought. From a fucking mire that I've been in, just staring at the dog food, and then go home and be in some kid's, like, crappy little goldfish tank until I get flushed down the toilet.
1: Like Homer Simpson's lobster pinchy.
2: (laughs) Did you have, were you, like, was physical media already kind of over when you started buying music for yourself? Or did you start out buying things like CDs? Um
0: pretty much I mean by the time I was actually buying stuff with my own money I was buying iTunes I was buying stuff on yeah. iTunes and I okay. had like an iTunes like I, I would go through and like correct the iTunes like uh, album artwork and all that <laughs> oh stuff and ma- make sure yes. as, make sure that the that they were titled correctly that they were from if i bought it and it was from a best of i would go in and fix it so it was from the album that it was originally from and <laughs> make sure that the day was correct wow. so but that being said i did have albums that i like i had cds mm-hmm. and then i collect records still like we always had records in the house so yeah but yeah what like in terms of buying my own music it was mainly on itunes
1: i have another question for callie Simply because I don't think Bridget has a favorite Toto song. Oh, I do. Callie, what I you do?
0: Toto. I mean, Bridget has previously said that she likes Toto. Okay, so what are y'all? When, when I when I called seen. her, but th- but that <laughs> but to be fair, I know this because I had previously said that you don't like Toto. So we both we both on <laughs> separate occasions called you out on something that's not true. You know why I like <laughs>
2: Toto is the strong and predictable rhythm section. Ah yes. Many other yacht rock and smooth, easy listening type rock is too like, it's too syncopated. It's too uh, too jazzy. jazzy. Way too jazzy. Toto, is a Toto has a solid rock Toto has the foundation. raw, the raw drum power of, of <laughs> Jeff Picaro. Yeah. Um, wait. So, Kelly, what's your favorite Toto song?
0: So, if I'm it depends on when I'm answering this, but... You can
1: have multiples, and if you want, you can, like, rank three and any and say it can change. I, okay. We're not beholden top, to one. Top well, three one for
0: different song. reasons are... Um, uh, waiting on Your Love. Love that song. Sampled by Shad Shise. <laughs> <laughs> Second, um, Saint, uh, Hydra of uh, St. George and the Dragon fucking love that song. It rules. It's the opening track to St. George's Dragon. Third song is whatever that like latter day Toto song that's like Fahrenheit and it's like four songs just like mashed into one. <laughs> that's how I feel about Rosanna. Like there's so
1: many changes in it. Yeah. It's hard not to like that song. I mean, I love Rosanna. Different.
0: It's hard to pick yeah. just one, but if I'm going, if I'm picking like my top three of like different eras of Toto, that would be it because I have to have a Prague one. I have to have like. The one that's like Blue Eyed Soul, and then I mm-hmm. have to have the one that's just some 80s bullshit because I love 80s, like Miami yes. Vice, Jerry Curl music, that whole like. That's your kinda, shit. Yeah, that's my shit. All right, Bridget, Toto songs. Hold the line. Oh.
1: Yeah, That one's one. so good with that, like the drum, and then immediately into the. Dit, 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 that part. Yeah. Um, I, as I mentioned, I love Georgie Porgy a lot, and. One of my favorite stories is my my friend Chloe had to go to the dentist and she was so anxious about it and her boyfriend put on Georgie Porgy on repeat. <laughs> so anytime she has to go somewhere she doesn't want to go. She listens to Georgie Porgy in the car and like drives and like <laughs> cries and sings it Georgie Porgie with. <laughs> <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> so I always think about that when I have to go do hard things. I'm like, maybe I should put on Georgie Porgie, <laughs> it's yeah. just the calmingness of it.
0: I I like Toto songs with a lot of runs in them, and Georgie Porgie is Cheryl, Cheryl Lynn, and she is running like no tomorrow on that. And then and then uh, on Waiting on Your Love, Bobby Kimball is just losing his fucking mind at the end. <laughs> there are so he's running like just, he's on a marathon. It's great, great stuff. All right, you want to tell us about your song? I do. I don't even remember what it is. Hold I don't up. know how to set it up. I mean, there's there's no setup. Is this Melchemy and block Party? Yeah. Where's my notes? <laughs> okay, here we go. I had a, I had a Google page with Bobby Kimball up, so I lost my notes for a second. <laughs> oh, good. But now we're going to uh, take a real hard left turn here, S- some kind of turn. Uh, we're going to go straight to New Orleans. To the Melphamine Projects with Katie Redward to Melfit. My first introduction to New Orleans. Bounce was July 2010 via an article in the New York Times Magazine by Jonathan D. about Sissy Bounce, which profiled Big Frida and Katie Red. The images appealed to me. Frida with her multicolored hair and Katie Red in a black pleather leopard print dress. The article described how at Frida's shows, the crowd instantly segregated itself. The men were propelled as if by a centrifuge toward the room's perimeters and the dance floor was taken over entirely by women surrounded, surrounding Frida. That was a quote from the article, um, by the way I didn't write that. I forgot to say quote before I gave that quote, so I'll just let, let you know. Um, I love the idea of men being essentially pushed out of the way so that the women could hold space. Space to throw their asses around in reckless abandon. Um, it made that much of an impression on me, and I hadn't even heard Bounce music yet. Thankfully, the convenience of YouTube changed all that, and I became obsessed with Bounce. Every region has its own club music that speaks directly to the culture of that area, of course in Detroit there's ghetto tech, characterized by sped up gritty beats and repetitive, often hypersexual lyrics. Similarly, Bounce also uses sped up beats and is incredibly sample heavy, generally pulling from a handful of samples, particularly the drag rap beat from the New York rap duo The Showboys. Of course, not all Bounce music is gay. In fact, a lot of Bounce artists are straight. But um, gay artists like Big Frida, Katie Red, and Sissy Noby are as unmistakably part of New Orleans culture as anything else about Bounce due to the city's tradition and celebration of cross-dressing performers. And the sensationalism and novelty of openly gay artists in hip-hop with its historically homophobic subculture has brought Bounce... Has brought Bounce... Bom- Well, let me start this sentence over. And the sensationalism and novelty of openly gay artists in hip-hop with its historically homophobic subculture has brought Bounce music to some mainstream attention, especially now with Beyoncé sampling different Bounce artists, especially Big Frida, in recent years. Katie Redd is one of the first trans rappers in Bounce music. Where de Melfet is a shout-out to her origins in the Melfamine projects of New Orleans. In the 80s and 90s, the Melfamine projects were an infamous drug area, and it was one of the few projects in New Orleans to survive Hurricane Katrina. Where to Melfat also shouts out YMM, or Young Melf Mafia, a game that originated in the Melfamine projects. I really love the Anita Baker sample in this song. It's caught up in the rapture. Um, I think Bounce appeals to me because this is basically what my brain sounds like, just random parts of songs (laughs) all playing at the same time, repeated phrases, and... Now Katie Red lives there, I guess, just yelling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, she uses a Anita Baker sample and a Jill Scott sample, and they both just are so interesting in this song because it's so high energy and so just, like, loud, and then there's these, like, sultry, like, kind of cooling down effects with Caught Up in the Rapture and the Jill Scott sample. Um, and they're so familiar that it's, like, I was trying to figure out what the sample was. And then when it hit me, I was like, that's such like a bizarre thing to put in the song, <laughs> but it works so well. Um, have y'all watched Big Frida's show on Fuse by any chance?
1: No, I haven't yet. And they've been meaning to.
0: Yeah, it it's really good. I watched it a few years ago um, when it was on Hulu. Actually, I just like binged the whole thing. And then I recently, I was thinking about it. I can't remember why I was thinking about it. I think I was <laughs> there's this one part where um, Big Frida's spoiler Big Frida's boyfriend cheats on her and she's on the phone and she's talking about he's out here with these Burger King having ass hoes and I was like for some reason <laughs> for some reason I thought about that and I was telling Marlo about it and I was like you know what we're gonna go home and watch it so we rewatched a lot of it and Katie Red is the best part of that show um, <laughs> she's usually yelling or she has an attitude which like same um (laughs) her signature sound is called the katie red siren and she's literally like she just goes (laughs) and like she she and fred are best friends in real life but i just love to see how they interact and yeah it's it's good you should watch it if for nothing else because katie red is easily the best part of the whole show i've never
2: been to new orleans Anyone- I
0: have I have not either. I really want to go.
1: No, I would really like to go. I have never been to New Orleans. But sometimes, um, Hunter and I, one time we ordered food from a New Orleans soul food vegan restaurant. And we played Zydeco while we ate it. <laughs> and then another time, we made these little beignets and he was like let's pretend like we're in the french quarter it was like we we're playing other i can't remember what we played for that but it was really funny so he's been there and he loves it and they're like well take me
0: yeah but I've def- we tried to I've recreate the new Orleans here food, but i have not actually gone i imagine it's really really good if you're actually there and not like in michigan <laughs> if you're actually in new orleans i had a um
2: days as a child of being really into Gambit and Gambit's from Louisiana so I would make my mom take me to the Cajun food place in the mall. All right where are we going to next Bridget? Oh my god speaking of that mall's location it's San Jose. And there you are without a friend you pack your
0: car and ride away I've got lots of
2: So I have apparently decided that being from California is a personality trait, so I decided (laughs) to do songs that are all places that I've lived um, in order of when I lived in them. And the first one is, Do You Know the Way to San Jose? as written by Burt Bacharach and Hal David and performed by Dionne Warwick. This song tells the tale of an aspiring entertainer making her way back to her hometown of San Jose after failing to make it in hollywood that's kind of sad but the song is not it is perky and chipper it was Dion's third consecutive top 10 single deon warwick did not like this song she said it's a dumb song and i did not want to sing it but it was a hit it sure was she won a grammy for it
1: i like her so much me too are we all okay i'm not on twitter anymore but when i was i think she was one of like 10 people i followed
2: was Dionne Warren. Oh, yeah. What were some of her top tweets? Do you recall
1: them? I love to No, I don't tweets. recall those. And th- this brain mm. right now? No, I don't recall them.
0: I <laughs> just I... remember her from The Celebrity Apprentice, which, by the way, you know, I obviously we all are not Trump fans on here, but The Celebrity Apprentice well, that was a long on time some ago. of those seasons, it was great entertainment the season with with meatloaf on it good stuff that might have been the same season with Dion warwick on it i can't remember but um i remember her being funny on that <laughs> just kind of bitchy to everyone which like why wouldn't you be on that fucking show it's
2: fantastic
1: <laughs> um, i don't think i've ever seen an episode i haven't either
0: i've erica I've look up meat look up celebrity apprentice meatloaf gary bc
1: oh no I think, oh i used to watch <laughs> the soup during that time and i remember seeing a clip of gary yeah busey if you want to see meatloaf screaming Whoa. at
0: gary Busey, which of course you do it happened and there's video of i don't know
1: if i want to invite that into my life just on principle
2: i try to avoid gary busey he makes me uncomfortable i did see him on dancing with the stars he's very good <laughs> in the buddy holly story i'll give him that um moving on. I don't know if Dion Warwick has ever been to San Jose, but Hal David was stationed there in the Navy and also I was born there. Um Hal David describes it as being a place with space where you can breathe. It is to this day a very spacious, clean, safe city. It's one of the safest major cities in America. Back when Hal David lived there, the area was much more rural. This would be around like the Korean War. Um, The surrounding farmland was known as the Valley of Heart's Delight because of all the fruit orchards and their flowers. And then Hewlett-Packard and other computer companies began to come into the area in the 50s to take advantage of the researchers at Stanford and the influx of Defense Department spending. Um, And now San Jose is the seat of Silicon Valley. I've
1: been to San Jose. I'm sorry. I've been to San Jose with you. We went to the 2016 Olympic Trials for Women's Gymnastics. And we, we saw, saw Simone, Simone Biles, Lori Hernandez. Ugh. We saw Maggie Nichols. We saw all the greats. It. We had the nosebleediest nosebleed seats. And it was fucking great. It was a highlight
2: of my life, to be honest.
1: Yeah. And then on the day off that we had, there was holiday. a... There was a, there's a meet and then there's a day off and then there's day two. And so on day two, we left San Jose.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Immediately.
1: (laughs) We were staying at a La Quinta that was in like this area where the whole exit just had car dealerships and we were like, gotta get out of here and went to San Francisco for the day.
2: Um, there used to be a burrito place called Taco Bravo in camp. Technically it's in Campbell, but that's like adjacent. It's like attached to San Jose that when I was growing up, we would go there. Like if we went to a show or if we were just bored one night, cause it was open almost 24 hours and you would get a bean burrito. They had these bean rice and cheese burritos and you could like customize them a little bit. And they had some that were like, like four tortillas big called like the monster burrito anyway it was my hometown is so boring that that was really fucking exciting for us <laughs> that's San Jose should we go back east
1: you want to go to Memphis
2: Mhm.
1: <laughs> okay so this is Cher walking in Memphis
0: they got on the table
1: You got gospel in the air.
0: Reverend Green, be glad to see you when you haven't got a prayer. But boy, you got a prayer in Memphis.
1: The original version of Walking in Memphis belongs to Mark Kahn, but I want to talk about Cher's 1995 cover of it. It's a little song about a trip to Memphis, eating catfish, seeing the ghost of Elvis, and uh, going to a piano bar, singing a little song. Um, I looked up info for the song. I looked it up for a really long time, and every seemed just like seemed really boring and I was like damn I love this song maybe I should pick another song but then I stumbled across this interpretation of the lyrics and their meaning and some music trivia facts that are like too good and weird not to share so content warning for a suicide mention if you want to skip that part skip ahead like 45 seconds to a minute um I will practice that Oh, I'll, I'll keep this brief So the lyrics in the bridge are, there's catfish on the table and there's gospel in the air. Reverend Green will be glad to see you when you haven't got a prayer. So this is interpreted as meaning Memphis has everything that might appeal to the body and the mind. The body symbolized by catfish, which I have just learned is the standard blues metaphor for sex or a woman's anatomy and gospel for the mind. Then on further research of this, Um, I learned, well, I know it's the second mention of Al Green in the song, but I learned that in 1974, he had a girlfriend, uh, he got in a fight with her and she poured scalding hot grits on him while he was in the bath and then she shot herself and then he took that suicide as a sign from God that he should give up secular music completely and he became an ordained minister by the end of that decade. Okay. So everybody, welcome back. We took a hard left turn, (laughs) talked about some grim and weird stuff. Uh, we're all back for share facts. For instance, did you know she was a background singer on the runnets, Be My Baby, and The Righteous Brothers, you've lost, you've lost that love and feeling?
2: I didn't know any of that. Uh, I have a quick no. question. Yes. What do you think is a more misogynist euphemism for vagina? Catfish or axe wound? Oh. Um oh, axe wound. I think so, yeah. Just, Both I don't want to
1: overthink it because it's real upsetting. But just on vibe alone,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I've never heard that. So thanks oh, for inviting sorry. that colorful imagery into
2: my precious
0: baby. Let's mind. think
2: about bunnies. Really I don't cute like ones. either of
0: them because it's like who decided that? Like who? Who chose these names? And was like, yeah, I'd, I'd stick my dick in either of those things. I don't like okay, a catfish, either of them. I hope a it's catfish very well or a gaping apparent, axe wound. But I do not <laughs>
2: least, like either of them. I asked least... which is more misogynist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which one do you like better? <laughs> which one do you
2: hate
1: I don't most? know
0: that I I don't. I would say maybe axe because it's more violent. But it's also like, I get what they're saying. It's like, you know, catfish. But when you think about it. It's like, okay, so do you want to stick you your dick in a catfish?
2: I think they're both meant to dehumanize more than be sexy.
1: Cool. On that upper. Let's
2: move on. I'm sorry. Callie? everyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Are we taking a road trip or this one? Or is it um, boat or flight? <laughs>
0: You I can't. just like the metaphor of, of a road trip because it's so stupid. Like, imagine, you know, like when they do like the uh, the, the, map. The, like, the map and there. there's just a, a car with all our heads sticking out of it, like, big yeah. big head. but we're like going like Africa and then all the way back to New Orleans and then we're going all the way across to Tokyo. <laughs> it's just like, why why are we driving everywhere? <laughs>
1: um well let's drive to fucking Tokyo. Yeah, yeah we're driving. Up.
0: We are driving all the way to Tokyo. <laughs> this is Thundercat with song Tokyo. <laughs> wanna hear all the sounds and see all the sights from the Show Demise to the Gundam Cafe.
2: Gonna eat so much fish, I think I'm gonna be sick, gonna blow all my cash on anime. Yes, don't try to stop because I'm over nine hours. Just point me to
0: thundercat is a virtuoso bassist from los angeles he was originally in suicidal tendencies and has collaborated with kendra clamar on dependable butterfly i and i think some other stuff um they did together but maybe not i can't remember um erica badu gorillas flying lotus kabazi washington just pretty much everyone he has a song with my favorite uncles papa McDeezy and groot aka kenny loggins on the same <laughs> album i pulled this track from 2017's drunk
1: uh this comes as a surprise to no one but that is my favorite thundercat song
0: <laughs> when it's with kenny loggins honestly I, I think it might be mine too
2: um, I keep forgetting it's about so good. Lo- I keep forgetting about Kenny Loggins being
0: grooved and it's a delight every time you say it. <laughs> Tokyo is obviously an ode to Tokyo, Japan, and definitely captures the feeling of wide-eyed childlike wonder that you get from traveling to Tokyo. Not only with his references to anime, pachinko parlors and sushi, but also with the City Pop inspired sound. Um, I was in Japan for about a week in March, I stayed in Akihabara, which is like the otaku hub. So they had a bunch of anime figure stores and pachinko parlors and stuff. Um, I had the best and also cheapest sushi I've ever had at a conveyor belt sushi bar in Harajuku. Unlike Thundercat though, I didn't feel like a Dragon Ball Z character, I felt like a I was in Persona 5, especially getting coffee and curry for breakfast at Oasis in Akihabara. And um, my boyfriend won me a big Hanyudan. Don's like another Sam Rio character, like Hello Kitty stuff. Um, but he won me this big Hanyudan plush at a crane game, and we played Marvel versus Capcom at Super Potato, and I can't wait to go back. And that's Tokyo! I love places
2: that feel like a fictional place in real life. Like how you felt like you were in Persona, persona 5.
0: Well, the reason I felt like I was in Persona 5 is because Persona 5 is such a an accurate in many, well, in many ways it is somewhat accurate in its depiction of Tokyo life for, like, a student. Where, like, it's, if it's not, like, the video game part where you're going into people's minds and, and changing their spirits with, like, JRPG nonsense, you're literally just going <laughs> to school and studying and getting curry and, like, buying, like, yeah so when Uh, you go to that part of stuff
2: so when you go to that part of tokyo you kind of feel like you're in the game if that's your first time a
0: little bit yeah yeah definitely especially since i'd been playing it a lot so i was like oh this is like in persona (laughs) i know this (laughs) i know this train station from persona
2: there's been places that i was like um like i've been to verona italy and i was like oh my god i'm inside shakespeare (laughs) <laughs> um, or like Venice Italy I was like oh my god I'm inside a bazillion de things that are set here um, there is fun. such a pleasure in that when you are
1: an adult and you get to kind of play make believe yeah. it's it's just I, I love to do that um, even in really mundane things I think it's kind of how how you can trick yourself into doing stuff you don't want to do yes, maybe or like life. getting through yeah romanticize your life like um here's a good one at my at my old shop it used to be a much smaller shop at this little it was a little plant shop and right now it's pretty big it used to be much tinier and every day something happened where when you would open the front door it was just a vortex and every leaf on the fucking block would fly into the store so multiple times a day you had to sweep the store and sweep all the leaves <laughs> out and you had to go out on the sidewalk and sweep the sidewalk and I was like I'd be out on the sidewalk at night to close an up shop sweep it all the leaves <laughs> up and I was like I'm an old timey shopkeeper. <laughs> and yes. I mean I
2: was like I don't want to be doing this at all but if I romanticize it it's very cute yes <laughs> I do this a lot with cooking dinner. Like pretend I'm on a cooking show or like (laughs) stuff like that.
1: Your own personal chopped.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's usually actually pretty accurate because I'm not good at grocery shopping.
1: (laughs) But you're you're also um, there's two kinds of I find there's like two kinds of of home cooks, as it were two kinds of cookers, uh, chefs. And it's. I love to follow a recipe. Bridget, you're all vibes. And I wanna be a vibes cook so bad. (laughs) And I no one ever taught me to. I don't know how I don't know how to fucking loosen up. I know how to read a recipe. I can follow it great. I also like when I went to culinary school, I did all pastry and so that's very much very meticulous recipe following. But I wanna be a vibes cook so bad. So
2: you and I have reacted to our childhoods in opposite ways where i'm like don't you fucking tell me what to do even in the form of a recipe and you are like if you don't give me clear instructions i might make a mistake and then i'll die yeah (laughs) trauma all
1: right well let's definitely not unpack that uh and let's uh, get back in our car let's get back in our
2: I... car with our bobbleheads of our faces <laughs> yes and take our map back across the pacific we go to back. a place where i endured most of the trauma of my life santa cruz california The song is by Fatboy Slim and it came out in 1996. Fatboy Slim aka Norman Quentin Cook is an English bass player and beat maker. He holds the Guinness World Record for most top 40 hits under different names. Lot of names. Um, They were all really boring so I didn't remember any of them. Santa Cruz is from his 1996 breakthrough big beat album Better Living Through Chemistry. This is the album with the songs Weapon of Choice and Praise You. Santa Cruz was not one of the big hits from that album. It's seven and a half minutes long. It starts with what sounds like an eagle screaming over some computer noises. Then it has a sort of organic sounding but repetitive guitar riff and some other instruments that sound more human than computer. I'm not super well versed in electronic music, but this sound is very 90s to me this era was personally distressing for me because it felt like everyone on earth was pivoting away from rock music at once big beat was like the last nail in the coffin of rock although i did like the prodigy honestly i would probably have been one of those assholes burning disco records at comiskey park like if there was a rave demolition derby in the late 90s i would have gone (laughs) everyone i knew stopped going to rock shows and started going to raves The city of Santa Cruz, on the other hand, is one of the strangest places I've ever been. It's got a lot of ghost vibes and vampire vibes and a lot of meth-addled Nazi surfers and grandma protesters and, like, ancient redwoods. And um, I've never endured more street harassment than when I lived there. And yet it's one of my favorite places in the world.
1: Um, I actually lived in Santa Cruz for one summer when I was five years old. (laughs) My dad's an astronomer, and he got offered a job at UC Santa Cruz observing, and they thought it'd be really fun to bring the whole family, which was my mom, my older brother, and my younger sister and me. And failed to consider that by my dad's primary job being observing, you observe stars through a telescope at night. So my dad worked nights and (laughs) slept days. And my mom had three terrible children that did not want to do anything away from home. But, uh, we would go to, we went to the boardwalk pretty often because it's something you can do with like small kids and you don't have to pay for anything. You just go, Oh my God, look at all the lights and you don't have to spend any fucking money. That's so, true. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we would go to the boardwalk a lot or we would go like, look at like, I remember, um, the sea lions. You could like go to the pier oh, yeah. and it'd be like, look at the sea lions. And that's the activity. I also remember that summer I got a fucking cool ass California raisins
2: sweatshirt. Yes. Um, so that was
1: summer 1989.
2: <laughs> did you, did you, did you go on any of the rides at the boardwalk ever? Yeah. Do you want to know? I
1: have a really good story about one of the rides. Yeah. Oh, i God. so okay. Dog. So it's
2: it's the ride.
1: Um, it's like the Dumbo ride at Disney World. It's like you have a, a little car or whatever, and it circles a, a main thing, just in a circle. But this one, they were little helicopters, and, and like, you could move all... the helicopters up and oh. down. Yeah, you move the helicopters up and down. You have the controls. And the controls are really sensitive. And they would react really quickly. And they would react like really kind of like almost violently. And so I was allowed to use the controls because I was five. My younger sister was three. So they were like, older girl gets to drive. So I figured out pretty quickly that when – that they were really sensitive. And I would launch us down to the floor. Then – I also figured out that there was like a steel plate at this one specific part. And if I timed it just right, I could slam us down on the steel plate. And it made my sister laugh so hard. And I am such a court jester. I love to make people laugh. So it's me slamming down on that plate every time we come around in circles. My three-year-old sister hanging out the window, laughing so hard. And my dad Peeing his pants on the side, laughing at us, and every other parent and child just staring at us. Oh <laughs> so God, really we would good. do that was like a weekly event. Was I would slam my sister around in the helicopter ride.
2: <laughs> Did you ever go on the cave train? I don't recall that. I hope not. It's scary. Probably not. All right. Cool. Well, what's next? Another place. Uh,
1: we're going to Australia. <laughs>
2: also on the pacific
1: rim what also
2: on the pacific rim
1: we and we planned this road trip
0: so
2: poorly
1: (laughs) so fucking poorly we were Uh,
0: zipping all over the place beginning with the fact that many of the places cannot be reached by a car (laughs) all right
1: So this is Down Under by Men at Work, an Australian band singing about their home country of Australia.
0: She said, do you come from a land down under? Are women blue and men blue? Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? You better run, you better take cover.
1: The song came out in 1981, and it was one of their biggest hits and most well-known songs. In 2007, 26 years after the song's release, it was the answer on a quiz show on ABC or something, and it posed the question, what children's song is contained in the song Down Under? Which the answer is the Australian folk song Kookaburra. Um, Do you all know that song? Yes. My mom sang it all the time.
0: So that's the only reason I know it.
1: Yeah, we learned it in elementary school for some reason. We would sing it all the time. And then my um, music teacher showed us a didgeridoo. <laughs> um,
0: my mom <mama> would just <laughs> sing it. I don't know why. She would just sing it. And so, like, when, I, when probably, I was reading the notes, I was like, oh, I know this song. And I now I have it stuck in my head. She probably <laughs>
2: got to sing it in, or she probably sang it in kindergarten also, as did Erica yeah. and I. And now they don't sing it because the lyrics. Several of the words in the lyrics have become problematic since the song was written in like the 18 whatever's.
1: It was written in uh 1932. Um, so uh so that song does kind of um I like I, I like to use the word interpolate. It references it, but it is a direct line from it. And so unfortunately, so that song, the licensing and the rights to that song, the ownership of that song, even though it was written in 1932. Um, It had been sold to a company, Larican Music, in 1990. And so that company saw this and was like, oh, hey, hey, we own that song. And then they were like, I want my money. And they fucking sued the band. They sued Men at Work and they won as a plagiarism suit, which I think it fucking sucks. And I side with Men at Work. Um, I think it's bullshit that they did that. Um, I, I hate agree. giant corporations, music licensing. They didn't even write the... It's like the owner, the the, the original um, songwriter, song creator had died. So he's not even involved in it. <laughs> and fun fact, so that flute solo that does reference it, um, I, ref- I refuse to say that it plagiarizes it because I just don't think that it does. I think you can interpolate something. I think you can use that. But anyway,
0: also... Much yeah, it of the band, it doesn't fucking plagiarize. It, it, it's so like you would have to think really hard to think that that references the Kookaburra song. It's so like
1: well, I know it has the line it. like um I I mean I I think that it definitely I can hear does, it I can hear it
0: but it's like it I can hear it in so much that I can hear music in a lot of stuff because especially now it's like all music is derivative like yeah well <laughs> it's check a this. fucking folk song. How yeah, many right. covers and, of it well, okay, Yeah, so yeah defense, and also more to the point. The
1: band's defense was like, well, first of all, it's like by the time it went to court, it was twenty eight years after the song had been released, and they were like, We want back payment back to like two thousand two and they were like, Are you fucking kidding me? And also they were like, Is isn't it in the public domain at this point? Um, no it wasn't, and they tried like subsequent lawsuits um to reverse the um, the plagiarism accusations um, but the other thing is that flute solo by Greg Ham, Men at Work's um, <laughs> we love to say saxophonist um, <laughs> saxophone player and their flautist um, it was totally improvised oh. and unfortunately this lawsuit was so stressful for him that shortly after it ended he died of a heart attack and Colin Hay and the other members of Men at Work have made it no secret they're like oh no the stress of it
2: killed him yeah, so, that sucks that's really yeah sad. it's fucking bullshit really? giant companies fucking suck contrary to the giving spirit of the Australian people if you ask me
1: um, it's bullshit um, anyway fuck Larrikin music uh, the song is great and my favorite line is when he said give me a Vegemite sandwich and he said oh <laughs> <laughs> own favorite line
2: <laughs> yeah, i could not possibly I... hope to top
0: that that was really well delivered i don't like this song um, <laughs> i feel I feel bad saying that after after we just talked about the tragic story
1: you can um, appreciate something I, I without still, having to I like it s-
0: well and i still will never side you know with corporations and i will never side with the stupid uh, i i just think Music it, was be just be it was clearly yeah. just money. It was
1: 28 years after the original song and they weren't even the original owners and I just think it's bullshit.
0: I think that there are some instances where it makes sense to sue over music, but usually I think that most art is going to be derivative especially in our postmodern society and that like especially a fucking folk song about a kookaburra from the 30s like i hate that i hate like <laughs> the people who keep suing i'm not gonna say like which which estate it is but there's an estate that keeps suing people for stealing a certain soul musician's music and it just is so ridiculous like music is derivative and music should be free and you should be able to sample whatever the fuck you want
2: the only time but- it's morally correct to sue is When a right-wing Republican uses your song as a campaign song, and you should sue the shit out of them.
1: Oh my God! Yes, I. Who is it that's using? Someone is incorrectly using. We're not gonna take it. And D. Snyder was like, "Do you know me? (laughs) Like, I'm not part of you. I'm not." (laughs) He's like, "Why the like? Please stop fucking using this." Or
0: I don't know if you're like someone who didn't get paid for whatever and then oh someone yeah totally like uses takes your song or like instances like that but yes stu- stupid that. little petty things where it's like this song kind of sounds like this it's like art art is always going to be derivative especially nowadays yeah. period trivia question do
1: y'all know what the biggest music lawsuit is no okay well it's michael bolton <laughs> Was sued by the Isley Brothers for plagiarizing his 1991 hit Love is a Wonderful Thing, which the Isley Brothers have a song of the same name. Um, It is the largest ever settlement in a music plagiarism case. And the Isley Brothers were awarded $5.4 million. I
2: would never
1: in a million years have guessed that. I knew that because one day at my old job I was really like bored and I was just reading Michael Bolton's Wikipedia page like there might be a test on it for literally no reason (laughs) and I knew that and I just looked it up just now to make sure I got the facts straight but I did know that it was like love is a wonderful thing I think it was like went to trial like 1994 if you listen to them they do sound uh, very similar (laughs) I still think it's like I I think it's nebulous I'm not the one to
0: decide but um but I would have know. sued him for that note and time is on my side. Time! <laughs> 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 I'm going to take it alright you All
1: right. Just Y'all stay tuned. Painful. Stay tuned after the episode, because our little stinger that we put at the end, it's going to be just that note
0: <laughs> from Michael Bolton's Time is on My Side. I, f- I feel like every one of our episodes, I make a noise similar to that, because it's usually me going, stop lighting the audience! Let me do my show! It's so good, though. Oh, I. My God. That's, like, that Billy Joel quote is, like, anytime I get frustrated at work or something or, like, my boss is telling me something, I just keep thinking, let me do my show! <laughs> uh, wait, <laughs> speaking um, of, of, um like... Making believe so that you can get through certain things I like to You're make Billy Joel. I like flipping to make believe. the show. <laughs> yes. And yelling at the lighting crew at my show in oh, Moscow right. or wherever the fuck he was.
1: Sometimes <laughs> I do the Miss Piggy frustrated voice. <laughs> Sometimes I do that at work.
2: I'm sorry it's- I slapped so loud into the mic.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's it does help. You should try it sometime. I did it the other day and my coworker looked at me and was like that's new
2: for you
1: and I I was like no I actually just I keep it to private
2: (laughs) I do often make some strange noises when I'm feeling things yes I can't think of any right now though all right (laughs) let's get by let's travel back to the midwest
0: (laughs) back to the midwest to Detroit for we're going to Hotel Yorba don't know why we're going there but we're going um, this is Hotel Yorba by the White Stripes. the elevator at the Hotel Yorba. I'm glad to see you later. All I got inside is yeah. The White Stripes are a garage band from Detroit that emerged during the garage rock revival of the late '90s and early 2000s. I was 9 or 10 at this time, and because I had an older brother, I was very aware of this moment in music, particularly in the detroit Ann Arbor scene, which was huge because Detroit is just like a hub of garage music, especially in the late 60s, but also in the late 90s and early 2000s. The White Stripes, the Dirt Bombs, the Von Bonnies, the Henchmen, etc. were all in heavy rotation in our household, and I remember my brother going to Detroit and Ann Arbor to see shows of the Blind Pig and the Magic s- Stick and... All those places, and it was just a really cool time. Hotel Yorba is about an actual hotel in southwest Detroit that was built in 1926 and was used as a temporary home for workers who were building the Ambassador Bridge that connects Detroit to Windsor. Sidebar, I actually ran across the bridge for the Detroit Free Press Half Marathon, where you go across to Canada and back to Detroit, and it was the last race I ever did, but it was really fun. And I'm glad the bridge part was at the beginning of the race so that I could actually enjoy it because the last half of the race was just shitty and I, I'm not a good runner. And that's why I don't run anymore. Well, you
1: ran a half marathon? <laughs> that that's so amazing. Impressive.
0: I walked a lot. I'll say that. <laughs> I
1: ran a mile
2: and I cried. <laughs> I assure you the like furthest year... I've ever traversed in one day is 10 miles.
0: Well, for me it was 13.26 or whatever the hell it is. It's a lot. Um, and some of it you were running some of it since the 20s hotel yorba was mainly government subsidized housing and a halfway house and it went up for sale in 2022 it maintains a rating of 2.5 stars on google reviews a lot of the reviews are cornballs thinking they are the most original person ever by quoting the white stripes lyrics but here's my fave review (laughs) (laughs) so my google timeline says i was at hotel yorba this is untrue I was stuck on I-75 for hours, waiting for a major car accident to be cleaned up and freeway open. Yorba was next to me on freeway 1234. <laughs> in the video to Hotel Yorba, you can see the outside of the hotel, or you can get stuck in traffic on I-75, which will almost certainly happen if you're in Detroit, and look at it from there. Or you can contact Leo <laughs> Gonzalez and purchase it for $2,950,000. <laughs> And that's Hotel Yorva.
2: Um, that's like that I, seems like not very much. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's well, not very much for a whole ass hotel. I mean, with... read read the other reviews and you'll pretty much a lot of them sound like the um, apartment I lived in on Woodward in Highland Park, where it's like infested with roaches rat, like rats, roaches, and bed bugs. The the landlord will not turn the heat on.
1: <laughs> Jesus
0: Christ! That's what oh, a God. lot of uh. This sounds disgusting. It, uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to cast aspersions on <laughs> Detroit. However, a, l- a lot of places that I was looking for, granted, I was looking for a specific price range, but I'll say this, a lot of places in that price range sound like the Revista Hotel Yorba, so <laughs> if you want to buy one of those places, it's probably for sale.
1: I also want to say, I think I've been <laughs> across the Ambassador Bridge. I think I went across it because I've been to Windsor, and I remember I went to Windsor because when you're 19 years old in Columbus, Ohio, again, as mentioned in my first song, there's not a lot to do. And so you'd be like, I don't know, are you going to go to Windsor and go to the casinos for a weekend? And you go to the casinos, you meet zero Canadians
0: and all teenagers from Detroit. (laughs) Yeah. My, um, when I I lived in Hamtramck with some friends, my friends from high school, and at the time, I didn't have like an enhanced driver's license or a passport, but they did. So they were like, okay, well, we're going to go to Canada. And I was feeling really bad that I couldn't go because I was like, oh, man, like they're going to have so much fun. And they got home at like 11 p.m. And I was like, y'all back this early? Like, how was Canada? And they were <laughs> like, oh, we didn't go because when we went across, they stopped us. And Rachel had a whole bunch of knives in the car. (laughs) (laughs) And so they checked us and we had all these knives in the car. And then Rachel like lied about why they were going. And so they sent him back. And then they just went to the Hard Rock Cafe and came home. The Hard Rock Cafe in Detroit. (laughs) Downtown Detroit, by the way. And I was like, well, glad I didn't fucking go. Because that sounds horrible. I only
1: went to Windsor once. And I remember I went with. My boyfriend at the time and his friend and his older brother and we just went to that Win street where there's like all these clubs that you can go to and it was like every club the drinks you could get well drinks for a dollar which I'm pretty sure had no alcohol in them whatsoever it was just like Sprite and cranberry juice and every bar was just playing Benny Benassi satisfaction (laughs) over and over and over and over again. I think (laughs) that's my memory of that night.
0: (laughs) I well, I more recently after I got a passport and everything, I had to get an enhanced driver's license to do the um, the marathon, and then I've since obviously gotten a passport because I went to Japan. But um, I went to Windsor and I we just went like record shopping. I went with Zach and we went record shopping. So I've been record shopping in Windsor. I'm trying to remember what I got there. Is that where they gave
1: you taco for
0: free? No, 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 no. That was (laughs) was actually in Kansas City, Missouri, I believe. But that, (laughs) I think I got, I mean, it's not even that exciting. I think I just got some hair metal records or something.
2: I've never been to Canada. I I mean, it's Canada.
0: The only other time I've been to Canada, I think, was when we got our N64 in the 90s because it was cheaper over there.
2: I lived
1: in Canada. Um
0: when I was 13.
1: I lived there for six weeks in a dorm at a ballet program over the summer. And it was in Manitoba, (laughs) in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And I had to like do visa paperwork and shit to stay there. But no one told me. So I was a 13 year old just like doing it myself. Um, (laughs) It was... It's it's kind of similar to America, but you are really like aware. You're like, oh, I am actually in a foreign country, and it's it's uh, it's it was an interesting experience. Um, I was mercilessly bullied there. It was probably the worst experience of bullying in my life, but um, by Canadians. By Canadians and on the 4th of July Can you imagine? Imagine getting bullied
0: by a They made fun of
1: me and the other, there were like maybe six other American girls there and on the 4th of July we were like well we'll just like sit at, all, at the lunch table together and like we're not gonna do anything and no one like, like we were all like oh I don't care but I guess like let's all just like eat together and that'll be all a little thing and so like the girls that were bullying me threw grapes at me all day that day so that was cool. <laughs> um, but that aside it was actually like it was it was a great experience and I'm, I'm glad I had it short of the bullying and I also like I got into the Royal Winnipeg um, year round program there and I could have stayed and my parents were like do you want to go to Winnipeg and dance and I was like no I'm okay (laughs) I'm gonna come back here (laughs) I think I want to live in Canada full time (laughs) so anyway that's my story about living in rural Canada (laughs) I never did learn Celsius but I got pretty good at conversion and conversion rates and stuff so i was again 13
2: we
0: are super duper in the weeds on this one bad boys <laughs> all right <laughs> are we on the, we're on the last one though right oh no i have a secret one but that won't be easy and fast so.
2: um i wanted to also clarify earlier i feel like maybe it sounded like i was diminishing your accomplishments by saying that i had traversed 10 miles in a day the reality is that i do not know how long a half marathon is or a marathon
0: Oh, I didn't think that it's thirteen miles.
2: Okay. But then, you know, that was
0: running and walking, and then I had to, you know, that was over at like eleven a.m. I then had to walk the rest of the day. Yeah, that's... so I was. I say that
2: to say that I was not offended. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sure that given that now I know it's thirteen miles, the most I've ever walked is probably like six miles. Um, okay, let's talk about something more. Smooth. <laughs> this is Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding. I
1: left my home in Georgia, headed for the Frisco Bay. I've had
2: nothing to do for, and look like nothing's gonna come my way. So I'm just gonna sit on the Dock of the Bay. Watching the tide roll away And sitting on a dock of the bay Wasting time Otis Redding, The King of Soul, recorded Sitting on the Dock of the Bay in 1967, and then it was released in sixty eight. He and guitarist Steve Cropper co-wrote the lyrics. They were performing at the Fillmore in San Francisco and the intensity of the fans in the city were getting to Otis. Bill Graham, the legendary owner of the Fillmore, offered his Sausalito houseboat for Otis to stay in to to get away from it all. Um, Sausalito is like a 20-minute ferry ride from San Francisco um otis wrote a few lines about watching ships come in and out and cropper finished them referring to otis coming from georgia to california to perform um otis's voice is one of the best of all time it's that thing i love where uh it you can hear emotions when they're singing um otis died in a plane crash shortly after recording the final version of this song he knew it would would be a hit even though Stax records and his band were like this is weird and not r&b or soul um it was and is a hugely popular song and might even be his best known song um i first learned of it when there was an snl sketch where they were like doing one of those compilation cds that you could buy over the tv in the 90s but every song on it was just sitting on the dock of the bay (laughs) um and that sketch is how i learned from my father that he hates this song he doesn't hate this song but it like makes him so sad he can't like stand to be alive because otis sounds kind of sad about the fact that he like left georgia to come sit on a dock i don't know so that was my interpretation of it for a long time was that It was a really, really sad song, but then I later learned that a lot of people find it to be um, more relaxing.
1: (laughs) I love that song. I think it's really, like, it's, it's very chill yeah that's not what we were getting like it. from
2: it in the Barry household when I was a child we were getting <laughs> sad 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 vibes How, don't let's not dig into that at all why would we interpret something that way that's my mom
1: with Rod Stewart Maggie May Anytime
2: <laughs> it comes on she goes oh no 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 no
1: not, no not, no not this song it changes it it's honestly no that's idea why it...
0: makes me really sad too I love that song but it makes me sad and I feel like it will make me even sadder. <clears throat> later in my life um but yeah it's because i associated with my mom so Uh, like it makes me sad (laughs)
2: um that's all i wanted to say bonus track time
0: yes so i have a secret bonus track that i got um because as i was writing the intro i was researching songs about kokomo indiana (laughs) so this song is Japanese breakfast And the song is called Kokomo, Indiana Japanese Breakfast is an indie pop outfit headed by Michelle Zonner. The music is dreamy and soft. It's what I put on work sometimes on Sunday mornings. In 2021, their third album, Jubilee, came out with this, with this song, uh, which is titled and presumably takes place in the real Kokomo, not the one in the Beach Boys song. <laughs> the song is about a small-town boy in Indiana saying goodbye to his high school sweetheart who's off to go on a foreign exchange program in Australia. In other words um one of our one of our (laughs) road (laughs) trip locations um so i was actually researching this because i was going to say in the intro that no songs have ever been written about kokomo indiana (laughs) and boy was i wrong there the kokomo indiana um wikipedia page is extensive so i went to it thinking okay i'm gonna learn about kokomo indiana the only thing I'm going to find on here is that there's going to have been a Ku Klux Klan meeting. <laughs> and there was. I was right <laughs> about that. But that was not nearly the only thing on there. Um, it it was probably one of the longest pages, certainly about a city, that I have ever seen in my life. Um, and there are other songs that reference Kokomo, Indiana, which include There will be a hot time in the town of Berlin when the Yanks go marching in, which was originally recorded by Bing Crosby and the Andrews sisters. A song from the 1947 film Mother Wore Tights that's also called Kokomo, Indiana. First Snow on Kokomo by Aretha Franklin whose then-partner Ken Cunningham is from there. And I think she might still have family out there because she had a child with him. And here's some people from, uh, notable notable people from Kokomo, Indiana. (laughs) Tava Smiley and the main protagonist from Cats Don't Dance. (laughs) And that is Kokomo, Indiana. (laughs)
1: Fuck. I really thought, trying to think what your secret song might be, because you told us you had one, and I was like, <laughs> is it going to be just the intro to David Bowie <laughs> and Mick Jagger dancing in the streets? we are like, Tokyo! South America!
0: Australia! France! I almost, I almost <laughs> picked that song, and then I was like, let me pick some actual ones that yeah let's
1: pick an that. actual location that <laughs> would they just shout all the yeah. different all the different places
2: um all right okay all right. Beep, 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 boop, beep, beep. <laughs> number 97
0: vampires all right that's exciting <laughs> 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 that's <some> <laughs> I already I already have one, so. Oh, shit, y'all.
1: <laughs>
2: this is going to be
1: one of the episodes where I go, Bridget, tell me what songs to talk about. This is
2: a hyperfixation coming home to roost. Sorry, and you're welcome in advance.
1: Oh, I already talked about Bella Lugosi's Dead, but it was poor quality. Maybe I can do it again and no one will notice. Well,
0: I I finally get to do Vampires by Gucci Mane, so I'm very excited about this. Oh, my God. All
1: right. Well, (laughs) tune in next time. And thanks for listening to our show. You can follow us at Podcast on Instagram. You can check out our show notes that Callie writes just the best and funniest shit and shows you all the references we talk about that aren't suitable for an audio medium. Uh, it's at babyleeroth.wordpress.com Our intro music is by Electromagnet Art is by Marlo Bro And additional audio support provided by Hunter Bergen That is it, y'all nice. Time is on my side It's coming for you. Time on my side Yes, it is Time
0: Oh yeah city It's no Kokomo